Cynthia Johnson, and I just finished the World of Speakers podcast with Ryan Foland. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about everything from bowling to pies, our, our grandparents, and chocolate bunnies. Uh, if you want to know what that has to do with being on stage and really making an impact, you're just going to have to listen to the episode. <laughs> Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ahoy, everyone. I am back, and today I am stoked because I am here with Cynthia Johnson, who I've met. I've had her on my radar. It's so fun to see what she's doing. She is the founder and CEO of Bell and Ivy. She's an entrepreneur, a speaker, an author, and much more. Cynthia, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. So let's dig right into it. Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? Where did this all start? Who is Cynthia and why is your Twitter Cynthia Live? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I started, let's, I mean, career-wise, I started in live streaming, which is why I'm Cynthia Live. All right. I worked for the first ever live stream social media site the first technology developed for that purpose anyway. And the company was called Stickan. We had, you know, about 10 million registered users and an app that made no money because it was before the time, (laughs) you know, when uh, apps and live streaming were, were the big thing. And so I used Cynthia Live sort of as representing the company and myself and then just kept it moving forward because... You know, it worked and I had spent a pretty decent amount of time building on it. Uh, there is another Cynthia Johnson that has performed with Depeche Mode and these other <laughs> bands. And she's also live very often. So that was kind of, you know, I wasn't really thinking ahead, but uh, it ended up working out. That's cool. And, you know, the live ties in with the live speaking and all that kind of stuff. So if you were going to describe to a six-year-old what you do in real life, how would you do that? What is it to own and run a company that helps with branding and digital marketing, but broken down in the six-year-old terminology? We help people tell stories so that they can connect with their right customer, the perfect customer for them. I love it. Storytelling. I can understand that. So have you always been a storyteller? Like... Have you always grown up and been the person who is before live happened? Were you the live party uh, action happening wherever you were? Definitely. I was um, I was always in speech, debates, theater. I worked for plenty of different live shows and live events. I grew up in Las Vegas, actually. And I worked for uh, quite a bit of those shows out there in high school. And then after, I was in improv for five years. The first time I went to college... <laughs> I studied stage combat, so um, stunt choreography and phonetics, and then, you know, acting, which I ended up really not enjoying at all. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It turned out I didn't really like telling other people's stories. Right. (laughs) Unless, you know, they were actively involved in them. So, yeah, I think for me, uh, I was always really curious. And, you know, curious people ask a lot of questions. When you ask a lot of questions, you kind of develop a the ability to tell a better story. And so that's kind of um, my background. But yeah, I've always been interested in this and doing this. So, Do you find that any of the combat training and stage antics that you had ties into how you perform live now? 
Oh, absolutely. It's an awareness of the other person on stage or the other people in the audience. Because when, so I'm certified in rapier, dagger, knife, hand-to-hand, broadsword. Badass. <laughs> awesome. I'm a, I am love martial arts. I've done that my whole life too. So we are kindred spirits. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then you, you know um, that if you're swinging a broadsword at someone's head in a choreographed <laughs> routine, you need to be very aware of where they are and where their energy is and, uh, you know, where their balance is because you're very, you're only one step away from it, it not being a great day for everybody. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I think that that's definitely helped. And through the combat stuff, you know, we, I learned uh, Wing Chun. I don't know if you're familiar with Wing Chun. Yeah, familiar with it. I haven't studied it though. That's really helpful because, you know, in that case, you're really just taught to understanding the balance and energy of, of someone else. And so uh, I think that even if, I'm aware of it or unaware of it at any given time. I'm definitely always trying to find a balance through energy, especially in a panel situation, just because, you know, you do need to understand where the energy in the room is and, and how it's being absorbed and understood by the audience. So I just got a visual of a bunch of people on a panel with broadswords <laughs> and their their unawareness of each other because people just talk over each other and then like they just say, you know, they maybe don't even listen to the other people. It's like a broadsword panel fight. I just have this vision in my head. <laughs> yes. That's actually great to think of it that way. It's just, you know, if everyone had a broadsword, <laughs> what, what would that panel be like? <laughs> no, it's funny because, you, you know, I think that uh, if everybody did have a broadsword, you know, only one person can talk at a time during a panel. And I think that when you're on a panel and you're not talking, sometimes you forget that you still have a broadsword, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I can see a fun little commercial or film production. We might have to get together and, and stage something next time we're at an event. Like I'll bring some broadswords so we can stage a little example. It can be a lesson. Right. That sounds like a lot of fun. No, I, I did not know that you had the martial art background. And I think the martial arts plus the, you know, the stage training and the actor awareness, you know, that makes a lot of sense for your confidence to be a pioneer really when it comes to the live space. And then even just being able to navigate everything from a panel to a keynote with a broadsword. I'm going to buy you a broadsword that's engraved <laughs> or something, and I'm going to send it to you, so watch out. <laughs> uh, that would be very expensive to ship. You should just deliver it yourself. <laughs> that's uh, right. I'll drive up there. Now, you're based in LA, right? I am. I'm in Santa Monica. You travel quite a bit, right? I do. More so recently than ever before because I've been going Going the distance, as they sing in that one song. <laughs> going for speed, all alone, all alone yeah. in a private jet, flying overseas. Now, that was a new line, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, so this year I've done, or this not this year, last year, I did uh, 35 events in 12 countries. Wow, that's baller right there. Yeah, well, you know, you launch a business and there's a couple different ways you could invest depending on your business, right? And moving around and, and getting the word out as you build on other things was, you know, we're like, okay, well this year we're going to invest a lot in the business development. The more people see you, the better, you know, that's how you build relationships. That's how you move, push things forward. And so I spent the year doing that while, while building the business, which I knew would be exhausting when it was my co-founder and I both didn't really sleep very much, but now we're in a, in a place where, you know, we're really, we know where to spend our time 
and we understand and are kind of reaping the benefit of it. This makes me think of the three T's, one of my favorite concepts in business, which is the fact that you have time, treasure, and talent. Those are the ways that you can invest. And in my mind, I had this vision of like, you know, this treasure chest of all the stuff that you have, and then your limited amount of time, and then, you know, the talent of your ability to swing the broadsword, essentially. But within the time, treasure, and talent, when you're talking about investing, it sounds like that's what you were struggling with, right? Because I think a lot of people might get too spread out but you really invested your time and talent into getting that face-to-face, that exposure being seen. Exactly. And I would bring people with me. So the best way to get to know someone is to be in- Travel with them? Traffic involved. <laughs> Tra- <laughs> yeah. And travel. Like, you really get to know people when you travel with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you really do. And I think it's important to understand- the people that you're working with, especially in the early stages, really, really well, because they're not only you're going to make great friendships and relationships that last a lifetime with people that are probably going to do amazing things, but you're also really understanding your customer and what, what they're really looking for and what value you can really bring to the table. And then that helped us build out our team. It's like, okay, we know we're going to need more of this yeah. one thing or another, because we understand our market and we understand the people that we want to be working with. So what you're essentially doing, the storytelling component, you're helping with the personal brand, but also with sort of the digital marketing behind it. Is that right? It's kind of the unique blend between the two. Right. So we, you know, both my co-founder and I, our background is in digital marketing. Uh, So SEO, social media, website design, development, agency work, all the way down to business intelligence and call center tracking and, and actual call center training. So we worked in healthcare insurance and, you know, the really not so sexy, but big numbers. Yeah. Big, big numbers, lots of scalability. You get a system that works right. Then you turn up the volume kind of thing. Right. And you know, you can provide value in those places, but then on, you know, we sort of saw this evolution happening in in digital marketing, which I would argue is just marketing. And (laughs) it was that, you know, real time, real stories that involve people within an organization or the founders, entrepreneurs, executives, like the authority built around businesses and also the way people were connecting with brands, definitely starting to evolve into this thing where they want to know who's attached. You know, they don't want to be marketed to with these influencers, you know, all the time. It's becoming more obvious. But when someone works for, let's say, Starbucks and they post something on Facebook and it's a cake and it's someone that you definitely like, you trust their opinion and they're so excited to be celebrating their birthday and how much they love the company. It just like changes your perspective. So we really started diving into this idea of how can, you know, you build upon the skill set, talents and the personality of individuals involved with an organization to help build that brand and, and tell the story in a way that drives growth, new business and retention. That was the best sentence ever. <laughs> no, that was great. I, I love that. And it really speaks to what seems to be this emerging trend that there is authenticity in real stories and not just sort of paid per view for influencing, yet everyone wants to become an influencer and you're sort of serving that marketplace, but bringing them back down to real people and real stories in real time. I think that's kind of a, the triple real. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's the triple real. R cubed. R cu- yes. <laughs> there's, there's a new theory for you. 
Okay, very cool. And here, here's a random thing. You said Starbucks and you have marketing. Now, I heard this one point in my life and I want to get your opinion on it. Okay. So, you know how people take pictures of their Starbucks drinks when their name is spelt wrong mm-hmm. and they share it and they're like, they think it's funny because it's an either a, an obvious misspelling or just a blatant name. And it's like an excuse for them to be like, oh my gosh, it happened to me. Right. I was told that some Starbucks would have employees do that on purpose just to get that organic exposure of someone who got their name wrong because it's not that bad of negative publicity that gets it. Have you ever heard that before? Or what are your thoughts on that as a strategy? I have never heard that before, but what I love about that is the autonomy that the individual Starbucks locations are given in order to make those decisions. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So next time you see a post on Starbucks or uh, with a Starbucks yeah. and it's like, you know, misspelled, think about it. I like that. Right. Yeah. Because I always, my cup always comes back saying Christina or Sylvia. So. <laughs> and now have <laughs> you ever been so compelled to take a picture and share it? Uh, to be, this is going, this is a little insane to me. This is terrible. But <laughs> normally when I go to Starbucks, <laughs> I'm either picking it, my order up <laughs> after I ordered it on the app yeah. or I'm going to drive through. And both instances, I don't notice in time. To do that. <laughs> okay, good. Fair <laughs> enough. No, no, that's cool. You're too busy to be posting pictures about wrong names, but the wrong name still happened to you. So it's like half of the Plus theory. You don't want to be driving and posting. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm sure there will be a Netflix series soon about this whole thing. And, you know, we can figure it out then. (laughs) So let's, uh, I think people have a good idea of of your background. I think that your improv is coming out with your humor and your, your sidebars. You'll say something and then like a little pause and then you comment on it. You're like your, your own little narrator. It's, it's, it's good. (laughs) Funny. I like it. So let's talk about. Speaking, right? I mean, hey, we're here with the world of speakers. And, you know, speaking comes naturally to some, not naturally to others. But what I think is amazing about it as an art form is that you can always get better, just like most things you invest time into. So, you know, for a limited amount of time, if you could share your wisdom with the world, amazing nuggets that have either helped you or that you help other people with, when it comes to the tactics of speaking, what would be some of that advice? What are some of the key things, maybe the top three insights that no one else told you soon enough? So the first one is just in clarity. I mean, I actually studied like the phonetics, just translation of sound, right? And language. To be honest, once you're on, once I get on stage, all that kind of went out the window. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, you can bring it back. It's a great thing to learn. But what people don't tell you is that you have to do it. You have to put yourself in the, sometimes the most uncomfortable situation because you don't really know what to fix until you've done it the first time. That is hands down the most important. No matter how much you prepare, the first thing is, is getting up there and doing it. The second thing is the content itself and the type of presentation you're, you're doing. So, you know, performing a monologue written by someone else or a speech written by someone else is very different than preparing a case study on a new topic and presenting it in front of people that do exactly what you do. Right. <laughs> to try and a motivational speech is a different type of audience than a large workshop, or maybe it's something controversial, maybe it's political. So break down who's in the audience and how do you feel about that? Don't worry about what they think right away. Like, how do you feel about being in front of those people and telling them those things? If it was a one on one with the best person in your industry, would you feel comfortable telling them your case study? If it was someone who would go to, to, let's say, 
for an inspirational speech. Would you feel comfortable looking them in the eye and telling them that exact speech one-on-one? Because that's basically what you're doing from their perspective. And so the more comfortable you are in understanding how you feel about the way they're going to take in that information, the more you can work on your delivery of it because they're, they're different. You know, an audience of three for some people is way more difficult than an audience of 300 and vice versa. So it's, you got to take it down to that one individual person and really speak to that. And then when you actually get on stage, hopefully you've prepared and you know, what do they say? Uh, repetition is repetition, <laughs> which means to rehearse, to do it over and over and over and over again. And that is 100% true because if you don't have the words stored away, trust me, there have been many times where I did not have the words stored away. You find yourself in a very vulnerable position and now you're vulnerable, you're vulnerable and you're on stage. And then when you, you know, you sit back down and you look at your Twitter feed and people are tweeting at you or they're not tweeting at you, which is really (laughs) unnerving. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So you want to, to prepare that. And the most important thing is really to pause, make sure that you are pausing, pause, make it uncomfortable. If you want to really understand how to, to best use pause in a presentation, I would study popular comedians because they're really good at it. <laughs> yeah. And you actually had a nice little dramatic pause once you said pause too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to bring it in. Pauses are overlooked <laughs> and they're so important. I was just pausing there, <laughs> just letting it sit. And, and there is some truth about the silence that people are scared of and they just continue to talk on top of themselves because they don't want to have any signs at all. And then all of a sudden they run through everything too much. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got some good stuff to unpack here. We have tip number one, you got to do it. Tip number two, I'm going to say you have to go bowling <laughs> and I'll explain to you why I think okay. what that means. And then number three is a uh, rehearsal. Maybe we can call that swinging the sword. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is <laughs> it's a pause. That's great. That's okay, very good. great. <laughs> okay. All right. So number one, right? Just do it. This idea that you have to experience it to have the ability to find out what is or what will go wrong. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is tactically, how does someone go out there and take these chances without either embarrassing themselves or what are some ways for people to get this practice without spilling the opportunities that they have. Do you have anything that you do? Do you, do you go to open mic night and practice your case studies in front of a bunch of people? Like what are some things people can do to get out there and do it before they hit that main stage? Well, the good thing is that you usually don't hit the main stage without doing it. So you're kind of like, <laughs> that's a benefit. Yes. And then the, what I, I say is, is find Fine. Make sure that the content, so let's say the case study, for instance, is amazing. Make sure that that you really know the content and you understand what you're talking about. That's it. And then throw yourself in the fire. Go and find all of the conferences because it doesn't, when you're bringing quality information and people are learning something, then the delivery part can be overlooked because that's not really what they're there for. They're there for the content. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And it's a really great type of conference or type of event 
to practice on because it's very difficult to present your own ideas in front of a room of people that do exactly what you do. So you're putting yourself in already the most difficult situation or one of the most. Got it. So trial by fire. And I, I like this idea that if you're con- like the content can outweigh the delivery and you know, there's, if you have your content nailed down, then you can stumble through and get your feet burnt a, a couple times. Right. Absolutely. Because what those types of conferences are doing, first of all, they're going to pick you based on the content that you pitched, the case study, the information, whatever it is. That's what they want. And then you go, you know, my first conference ever was SC, it was an SEO conference. So, you know, it was, a, <laughs> it was an interesting experience, very unnerving almost. But the content, you know, it wasn't like people were videotaping me. It's like it went up there, I semi-awkwardly presented this deck, and then I put it on SlideShare. And all anyone really cared about was where do I get the deck? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, and I learned a lot about what would be difficult for me or more or less where I needed to improve based on having done it. But I didn't lose any you know, I wasn't becoming... You didn't lose any toes or anything? Like you got up there, you got your feet burnt, but you didn't burn off any toes. Right. Because people really appreciated the content. It was useful. They could take it back to their job or their home or wherever, and they could implement this idea. I was accessible, so they could talk to me. And, you know, they didn't really want to know, hey, you stuttered on slide three. Is it because you were lying? You know, it's like... <laughs> right. They just wanted to know more about the content. So it's a really great a place for not only to um, dive in and, and truly understand the content you're delivering and the industries that you would want to be in, but also a great place to test and you know get up there and be yourself. Because just because you're, let's say, this sort of... Uh, you know, expert in, in something, right? And you, you can present it doesn't mean you're a presenter. And so what, what comes first, hopefully the expert part comes before the presenting part and not the other way around. Right. Okay. So I just got a vision of a chocolate bunny in my head. Okay. And here's why. So, you know, the Easter time chocolate bunnies. Oh yeah. So I'm attributing the, the content to the chocolate and the performance to the bunny. Now I've gotten some really, really cool looking bunnies. Mm-hmm. And the chocolate is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it's the stuff that's just weird yeah. and cheap because it like leaves a weird like film in your mouth mm-hmm. versus an ugly looking piece of chocolate that's absolutely amazing, which is like, you know, uh, maybe not the best performance or delivery on the chocolate, but and it doesn't look like a bunny, but it's amazing chocolate. And you're like, give me some more of that. Yes, that's exactly it. And and have you ever seen like they'll have these these chocolate oh. bunnies that are like, like huge, you know, they're like two foot chocolate bunnies. And you're like, whoa, that's such a cool big chocolate bunny. But secretly, you know, the PowerPoint sucks inside of that thing. <laughs> you know what? It's also kind of like a, like the giant gummy bears versus the, the regular ones. The giant oh. ones look so yes. cool. But their taste, they're terrible. There's something about eating that that is just absolutely disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but you still kind of want it around because it's so big. Yeah. So it's okay. I think you're absolutely right. It's better to perfect the chocolate before, you know, the design. Before building a bigger and fancier bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's stick with these fun analogies here. So step number two, you talked about content, but you really talked about this one-on-one and this sort of you and this one person instead of you and three or instead of you and 3000. 
So I thought about bowling. I had a buddy, Cameron Brown from, uh, from Australia in town and he brings these like networking meetings where people do bowling together and bowling is so crazy because it's just you and the pins like that's it. And so I was imagining like having, you know, these 12 pins a setup and you as a speaker, you're kind of like in front of them. And if you roll the ball down or throw the ball down initially, like your mentality is maybe that like you're just trying to smash them all out of the park. But when you do that, you usually are left with like one or two. And then you're focused on like crap. Now I have to take all of my attention, all of my focus, everything I can do, line it up perfectly to just hit that one pin. But it's like if you would have taken that approach initially and you would have bowled just trying to hit the one pin perfectly instead of trying to knock them all down, like that's the visual I got in my head is – you know, have your audience as a whole bunch of bowling ball pins, but take a moment and just think what you would do to, I I guess, knock out just one person with a bowling ball, right? Yeah. I mean, that really, that's exactly it. Because one person, that one pin is going to knock all the other pins over, right? That's the idea. And so I used to work with a hypnotist in Vegas. I was a theater manager for a hypnotist. And <laughs> that is awesome. Stop. <laughs> Let's just talk about that for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's an idea is that this power of suggestion. And if you can get to, to one person, you know, you ever been in an event and the speakers kind of make, you're like, is this uncomfortable? So you start to look around to see if it is uncomfortable or if you're the one that's out of place. Right. That's what everybody does. And if you can get to one person, well, now you have people like truly get to them. Then you have people that are like, even if maybe it didn't quite, they're like, well, that guy gets it. Maybe I should pay attention more. Right. Or you have the, you know, the pose, you have like the hand on the chin or like they're taking notes or something. You're like, what am I missing here? And then you kind of hone in more, right? Yes. You're like, because you, you respect that other person in the audience for some <laughs> um, And you're like, maybe I shouldn't be checking my Twitter feed. Maybe I should be finding something that Cynthia says to tweet out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, like, oh, or when you're the only person that didn't laugh, all of a sudden you're, you're listening extra, you know? <laughs> right. The pause, all of a sudden you don't get it. Like there's a dramatic pause and you find yourself thinking everybody laughs and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. So we're transitioning on to the next, which is rehearsing. And it seems like the rehearsing is going to help you build a better chocolate. The rehearsing is going to be, uh, get you better at bowling. And really the rehearsing, you could almost add into each one of these tips, right? If you're going to rehearse to do it more, if you're going to rehearse better with your content, if you're going to rehearse better with bowling. So I, I love that as like a, an addition to all of these. Well, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it too is, you're not always going to be overly prepared for everything. That's just life and things will get in the way sometimes. And that's okay. And you learn to deal with, with those two, but you'd also wouldn't show up till the Olympics without training, you know? <laughs> like, right. Yes. And it's really unfair to not at least be. It's not fair to not be prepared, right? I mean, you, right. you, you have to respect the audience to some extent. Exactly. And that's why if you're delivering the content, because they, you know, that is worth it. That's what they're there. But if you're going there to deliver a keynote or you're going there to deliver an idea, or maybe you don't have a deck or something they can take with them later. Like that's what I would say, you know, you're in the big leagues now. Like you have to, you need to be prepared. And rehearsing that could be having one-on-one, like 
Look, my grandmother's a great listener. I call. <laughs> Stuffed so, animals you know, are too. Yeah. Mom. Call my grandma. Call, you know, and just like, hey, what do you think? And then just run through the ideas. Not necessarily even, you don't have to constantly be like presenting it. You should go through that as well, but just run through the ideas and the words in your head. Yeah, that's funny. You talk about your parents and grandma. Uh, my The grandma lifeline is, is not here, unfortunately, but my parents are. And so like, I'm famous for like giving them a call and then just sort of working through ideas. Like I've got, you know, if I've got a TEDx talk coming up, I'll just like sort of take a section of it and just spout it out over the phone. And they're both there listening on speakerphone. And then like, I'll get all of their like, you know, comments after the fact, but it's a small way of getting feedback and going through it. I find that that helps me a lot. So I, I like that you call your parents too and practice speaking to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if they like it. I one time I made <laughs> Go through a six-hour drive while I practiced suddenly Seymour in the back seat of the car, and I I can't really sing. I still get to this day; they still are like suddenly Seymour. <laughs> That's good. So this is all great stuff. Let's transition into how we can take our chocolate bunny skills, our bowling skills, our talking to parents and singing in car skills, and then monetize that. Right? Sometimes there's a direct correlation. You get paid to speak. Other times it's you fly out somewhere, people hear you talk, and then all of a sudden now they're sold on your business. So for you, has it has your success been more getting paid to speak or your speaking results in more business? It's actually been a combination of the two because I also speak in a workshop format. So for corporate businesses, they'll you know often bring me into to uh, run through a workshop style sort of presentation. And that's something that they would pay for or educational institutions will typically pay for things. And then, yeah, there's the business aspect of it. We definitely benefit, our business benefits through speaking. So, so let's take those as two different pies, right? One's uh-huh. more... Okay, so if you had to name the type of pie that was a workshop, what type of pie would it be? Is this like like a cherry pie? Or like- <laughs> well, I don't I don't know. So I I'm just I'm a big analogy guy, as you can tell. So right, right, right. if okay. we're looking at two different types of pies, right? One is a pie that represents doing a workshop, mm-hmm. and one is a pie that represents doing more of a casual conversation or things that you're not getting paid for, but leads to business. Okay. So what kind of pie comes to your mind if it's a workshop? Uh, yeah, so the, the workshop pie is more like an apple pie. You know, it's everybody can enjoy that pie. We all know what we're going to get. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yes. <laughs> it's straightforward. Uh, and then I would say that uh, on the other side, uh, it's more like, it's like a key lime pie. It's like you don't really know if it's going to be too tart. <laughs> <It's> gonna, <laughs> yes. Did they whip the pie? I, you know, I don't know. I don't really even know what goes into a key lime pie. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. <laughs> right. But but at the end of the day, people, they're going to maybe end up eating it and then it sort of sparks their interest in key lime or not. Right? Exactly. But everybody likes everybody likes apple pie. We know what we're going to get. So yeah. I love this. Okay. <laughs> Secretly, you're like, what the hell is he doing? But okay. <laughs> so let's break down a couple slices of this apple pie. How do you get to be the person that is called into corporations to be paid to put on these workshops? Like rewind from maybe your experience, or if you don't want to give away the secret sauce, how did that start, right? Like what did you do or what can people do to become that person? Uh, Well, you don't underestimate the power of anyone in an organization. So 
for instance, you would be surprised at how much persuasion power interns have or entry-level employees or... (laughs) Right, okay. So communicating with those people because when they do host these events, that's who they're looking to uh, because usually it's how do we brush up on skills that people who've been here a while may or may not have versus, you know, bringing in a speaker to what educate gen, the Gen Zs of their office. Like it's not going to happen. Right. But they're already looking to that younger generation for information. So there's that. I think the other part is not being afraid to think outside the box in how you connect and communicate with people. I respond to so many emails. So I get, I put my email on everything, every social media account, every website, email me directly. Uh, I will always, you know, open it at the very least. And if I missed it, email me again, because I don't know why, maybe it was spam. And most of these conferences actually come directly through people finding me and emailing me because they're searching for content because I talk about these things all of the time. And I paint you know, I try to paint the picture of what I do so that they don't feel like they're, it's a stretch by asking me to, to come by. And then I create an email, obviously media at Cynthia, and then I'm my own media person. (laughs) Right. I like that. So I'm going to throw you under the bus here for everybody listening, who's interested to connect with you on your Twitter, in your profile, Mm -hmm. there's something in particular that it says, what do you think it is? Oh, think bigger. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's good. I like that you're thinking bigger about this. No, oh, it, says, it says. Let's connect. Yeah. More specifically, it says, I have five minutes. You say, <laughs> I have five minutes. Let's connect. That's the coolest thing ever. And this is exactly the type of slice of an apple pie that you're delivering people. You're saying, let's hang out and have apple pie or meringue pie or just pie. Just you make an effort. Reach out to me. Mm-hmm. All my information is here. And I've got five minutes. You're like giving everybody five minutes. <laughs> Well, yeah, absolutely. I think being not only approachable, but clear in, in that I want you to connect with me. If you think you, there's some, you know, if there's something you have to say, or you have an idea or, you know, I'm not saying that I can obviously help everybody or work with everybody or, you know. But, yeah. But, but it ties into this idea that you never yeah. underestimate who you're talking to and yeah. always be able to connect and communicate with people. I think that that's a really huge takeaway is accessibility. And for those people who are maybe, well, I just would need to talk with HR because they're the ones who are going to book me, right? It's like, no, you know, get in front of an intern and and give them access to yourself or whatever. I think that's cool. Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. It's definitely helped me. People reach out a lot. Yeah. And I feel selfish because I'm I'm getting like 45 of the time. So this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, this idea of not underestimating the people in the company, then you've got this creatively connecting. So do you actively go out and pitch companies or do you wait for them to come to you? Like if somebody was trying to break into that space of getting paid by a larger corporation, what would you expect for their approach to be successful? I don't actually go to the companies. I don't do that at all. I actually just build it through, uh, I build it through my network of people. So it's, you want to find the center of influence. Where do all the companies hang out? Where are they looking? Mm. I'm involved in a, I'm on the advisory board now for a company that at the time when I got involved was a startup. 
and they wanted to do continued education for Fortune 1000 executives. And so now, you know, I go and I host roundtables and it's anywhere from 12 to 16 at the roundtable or, you know, 45, 50 CMOs at a conference venue. And, you know, you start kind of planting the seed and being available and connecting. And even if you don't connect with anyone in that space, other companies see that you're at this thing with these companies. And then again, the accessibility part. Uh, and you have to continuously evolve and change and deliver something of value. So this presentation I gave three years ago, four years ago is absolutely nowhere near the same thing I have, I'm doing now because it's still relevant. Um, so I think that's really important. And then make sure that the things that you're doing are known, because if you, if you don't tell people, they'll never know. And if they don't know, then you, you're kind of being taken out of the, the pool of people that, you know, would, um, be given this type of opportunity to become top of mind. And that's really branding at the end of the day, right? Is helping to choose the information that people see so that they formulate the idea about you. And eventually you become top of mind when they think about a certain thing that you want to be known for. Right. That's like, yeah, that's exactly it. And you don't have to go to everyone. You just have to find those places, like the center of influence, the people that connect with those people. And there's always someone and there's always some way. So uh, and, and never get frustrated because it doesn't happen overnight. Okay, so here's a couple little pop quiz questions for you. I've never done this before, but I'm going to do this. So this is selfishly for people that are out there that are listening going, okay, I want to share some stuff. So yes or no, stage selfie and then share it out. If, for me, it's no if it's just me on stage. Yes, if I'm on stage with someone else and they're posting it on their social media. Okay, cool. So now a panel with or without broadswords, selfie with other panel members and sharing that out. Yeah, I'm, all, <laughs> I'm more about the, the the picture, the actual like someone taking a picture. Okay, I would have so, someone take a picture. Right. Okay. So you'd be yeah. better off having somebody else set it up and then having them tweet it on your behalf. It's more of a... It's, no, it's I would more, tweet it, but I don't want it to be a selfie. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what about letting people know before the event? Hey, I'm speaking at this event. Yes or no, and best practices for that? Because sometimes it comes across as a little douchey, right? I mean, it's let's be honest. Uh, yes, if you're going to either A, they can purchase tickets, or B, you're going to provide content from the presentation after, and you're letting them know to look for it later. Ooh, that's a good spin right there. Like, hey, I've got this presentation coming up. I'm going to make this the, the content available to everyone afterwards. Right. Dig that. Okay, so let's see another one on the sharing out. During the event, and you're very active on Twitter, which is great as well, how do you communicate to the audience without sounding too needy for them to live tweet and take pictures and share stuff? How do you communicate that to people? Well, I mean, I just put my Twitter handle on the slide and I I sort of leave it up to them. I used to do a Snapchat presentation, though, where I would have everyone turn on their Find the Friend uh, app and then add me and then I would instruct them all to send me money via Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Now, technically speaking here, I just want to get specific. When you put your handle up on the slide, do you put it up on every slide throughout or are you just in the beginning to let them do it and hopefully they'll know and take a picture? I know I put it on uh, the beginning and then the last slide is let's connect and I put my email and my Twitter handle. Okay, cool. 
this is all good stuff. Cause I think that's a challenge is like, you want to share and promote what's going on, but you don't want to come across as too self-promotional. And I think what I'm hearing is that it's always better when somebody else is probably building you up. So the idea is probably to help encourage those people or get them to do it. Then you can take it and share and things. Yeah. I think the, the idea is like thinking of it as a romantic relationship. It's always about how the other person feels and you don't want to inflate your own ego too much. Right. Very cool. Well, this kind of brings us to the end of our, our of our wicked ride here. And we didn't really get into the key lime pie too much, but I think that what you're talking about here with the apple pie is, is relevant for that as well. I think those all apply to it. So anything exciting that you want to share with people that is either coming up in the near future or where would you like people to best connect with you? What's the, the tenuant for you? Where do people start? So it's not really the near future, but uh, I am, I have a book coming out. Eventually yes. I'll finish it. <laughs> That's nice. cool. Can you share the title or what it's about? Uh, yeah. So it's a, a mixture of uh, personal branding for the the more modest person. <laughs> okay. All right. The title is To Be Determined. <laughs> That's actually not a bad title. Just to just write that To Be Determined. Like I'm just saying. Wow. You know, that would be, that's great. Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you think about it, like somebody who's maybe not um, that outwardly, you know, gregarious or they're kind of conservative, like, you know, to be determined is kind of a, kind of a cool catchphrase. I like it. Wow. That's great. I'm going to, I'll have to get the rights from you later. (laughs) Uh, No, that's fine. Well, you know, just give me five more minutes some time and I'll give it to you. That'll be good. Good trade off. And do people just check out your website or do you, do you prefer a certain platform or what? Just so you can email me, Cynthia at CynthiaLive.com. You can find me at CynthiaLive.com, at CynthiaLive on Twitter and Instagram. And my company is BellIvy.com. Bell and Ivy is the name. So, or yeah, just says Cynthia Live, C-Y-N-T-H-A. <laughs> and you can go get five minutes with Cynthia, right? I'm just, I'm going to let you know that right now. Hit her up for those five minutes and hopefully... You guys can connect and eat pie together or something cool. <laughs> I don't have to start saying people pie. <laughs> virtual pie, right? Yeah, virtual pie. Like a pie gif or something like that. Definitely, I'm going to I'm gonna tweet you up with a pie gif after this. <laughs> and then we'll, well hey, falling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'll do three dots for dramatic pause within the tweet and whatnot. But hey, what great information. For me, the biggest takeaway, I think, is is really the, the chocolate bunny theory that you have to have your content locked in and that's what's going to make you stand out. People will look past the delivery, but once you get your content down, then go bowling and focus on knocking one pin and the rest will follow. So Cynthia, great stuff for the world of speakers. I'm proud to have had you as a guest and continue to look forward to working with you. And maybe we'll see some, see each other on the stage sometime. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We laughed a little bit too much probably, but that's okay. (laughs) All right, everybody stay tuned for other episodes. And I'm going to make sure we have all of the links that Cynthia mentioned in the show notes and stuff like that. Cynthia, you have a a nice live day. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, bye. Bye.